I moved my company from Iowa to downtown Denver. I think I sold it about five years ago. There is no work-life balance, but there's a work-life blend. And as an entrepreneur, I think it's difficult to do. It's difficult to be in the shower and you start generating ideas for your business and just turn it off, right? I really think it is about finding that blend. I ended up having an anxiety attack that cost me $26,000 and I had insurance. And funny enough, I was paying for that insurance for my own company. But the healthcare system was so freaking hard to navigate. I had no one to be my advocate, no one to be my quarterback in my health. And every time I wanted to go to a doctor, I was just socked with another surprise bill and I was done. So I Googled doctors who don't accept insurance because I knew the insurance company was the mechanism in between me and my wellness. In marketing, we don't want to be selling snake oil. There is a responsibility that we have as marketers to you know, be promoting brands, people that do good for our community. We do have a big responsibility in marketing to make sure we're telling good stories and we're informing the greater public about the products and services that we do. We get offers monthly to buy us out because big companies want to take a primary care physician and just create a feeder system. We want you to refer to this, refer to that. Half of specialty referrals are unnecessary, completely unnecessary. That if we do reform it, people will lose jobs. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people working in healthcare that add zero value. And as a direct primary care practice, we are true free market healthcare. We do not deal with insurance companies. We do not take money from insurance companies. Our members pay a flat monthly membership fee for unlimited access to our clinic with no co-pays, deductibles, or office visit fees. Welcome to the Colorado Springs Business Podcast, where we discuss business principles and provide real-life insight into the lives of everyday business owners and entrepreneurs. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe or leave a review wherever you might be listening. Now, let's talk business. We interrupt this program to bring you our sponsors, the people who help make this show possible. Victory Victory MMA. MMA. Yes, right here in Colorado Springs. Victory MMA isn't just about a gym. It's a community built on hard work and dedication. Mm. Founded by Gilbert Smith, a veteran with a passion for martial arts, Victory MMA offers an incredible range of classes. Mm. Whether you're a beginner wanting to learn the basics of MMA or a pro aiming to perfect your skills, they've got you covered. Really? Mm -hmm. And it's not just about fighting. Their classes like jiu-jitsu focus on technique over brute force, making it accessible to everyone. Or, if you're in the striking, their kickboxing and boxing classes are top-notch, teaching everything from footwork to punches with precision and style. And the best part? They're currently offering a one-week trial for just 20 bucks. Really? That's insane. That's actually a really good deal. That's a great deal. Yeah. So whether you're looking to get in shape, learn self-defense, or just be part of a community of success-minded athletes, Victory MMA is the place to be. Head over to coloradovictorymma.com to start your journey with Victory MMA today. Epic Eyewear. Our next sponsor is Epic Eyewear, a remarkable veteran-owned brand that's revolutionizing the way we think about sunglasses. Ain't that cool, Andrew? That's cool. That's cool. Very cool. Like wearing your sunglasses at night. Ooh, that cool. Mm-hmm. At Epic Eyewear, they believe that designer quality doesn't have to come with a hefty price tag. Their range of stylish, durable, and comfortable sunglasses is crafted to cater to all your needs, whether you're hitting the beach, scaling a mountain, or enjoying a day out in the city. Why settle for overpriced sunglasses when you can get the same quality for less? Epic Eyewear stands out by offering affordability without compromising on style or function. Isn't that cool? That's cool. Our other our other sponsor talks about style too. Yeah, very stylish. Mm-hmm. Each pair is a blend of contemporary design and practical features, ensuring you look good and your eyes are protected no matter where your adventures take you. So if you're in the market for a new pair of shades, remember Epic Eyewear. 
where quality meets affordability. Check out their collection today and elevate your eyewear, eyewear game. game. Our next sponsor is Planet, Planet Duct. Duct. Did you know what's lurking in your air ducts can impact your health and wallet? Planet Duct, a leader in air duct cleaning, uses the most powerful vacuum trucks in Colorado to ensure your indoor air quality is top notch. Their NADCA certified services are not just about removing dust and debris. They bring a whole new level of clean to your home or business, helping you enjoy lower utility bills, better respiratory health, and prevent damage to your HVAC system. Hmm. What sets Planet Duct apart? They specialize in top quality air duct cleaning with their unique pneumatic agitation tools, ensuring every speck of dust is whisked away. <laughs> and let's not forget about the dryer vent cleaning, essential for preventing fires and reducing drying times. With Planet Duct, you can expect a thorough process from blowing dust from your vents to a final carbon monoxide check for safety. So if you're ready for cleaner air and a healthier living space, give Planet Duct a call. They're not just cleaning ducts, they're ensuring your peace of mind. Check them out at planetduct.com. That's planetduct.com. Dot com to learn more. Our next sponsor is Recon, Recon Marketing. Marketing. They need what does every business need, Andrew? A bathroom. And what else? Marketing. Digital <laughs> marketing, right? Okay. Well, did you know that I also co-own Recon Marketing? I did know that. Yeah. You did? I did. I've known that for about three years now. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. let me tell you a little about Recon Marketing. We have around 30 years experience doing digital marketing. Did you know that, Andrew? I did. I yes, did. yes. So we offer paid search, paid social, SEO, web design, and we also have a new dashboard that we're offering our clients as well. It's going to be comprehensive and have all the data pull in there so our clients can check their data whenever they want. Did you know about that part? I did, and that's new, right? Yeah, it's a brand new service. Ooh. So go ahead and check <laughs> us out. We're from Colorado. We serve most Colorado small business owners here, established business owners, what we like to say, but we love serving local Colorado folks. Find us at reconmarketingservices.com. That's reconmarketingservices.com. Dot com. Our next sponsor is Franchise Succeed. Have you ever thought about scaling your business nationwide? Franchise Succeed is here to turn that dream into a reality. They specialize in helping small to mid-sized businesses grow through franchising, offering a full range of services from legal and financial considerations to marketing and sales. With over six decades of experience, the team at Franchise Succeed has a unique perspective on franchising, offering tailored strategies for both new and existing franchisors. They're not just about expanding your business, they're about building a partnership with you. Franchise Succeed believes in a hands-on approach, ensuring they understand your business's unique challenges and opportunities. They'll guide you through every step of the franchise process, providing comprehensive audits, detailed operation schedules, and franchise cost analysis, all tailored to your specific needs. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, visit FranchiseSucceed.com to schedule a free consultation. That's FranchiseSucceed.com, your strategic partner in building a successful franchise. Dope Tees! Our next sponsor is Dope Tees. What? Yes, a brand that's all about elevating your wardrobe game. They're on a mission to provide dope clothing that not only looks killer, but also makes you feel like a million bucks. Ooh. Trust us, you're going to want to check them out. Their designs are fresh and their quality is top notch. And they're all about making a statement. Mm -hmm. We couldn't be happier to have them on board as a sponsor. And we're pumped to see what new incredible things we're going to accomplish together. That was pretty good. I was pretty enthusiastic. Yeah. I'm not lie. <laughs> that's D-O-P-E-T-E-E-Z. Dot biz. Com. Oh, dot biz. <laughs> D-O-P-E-T-E-E-Z -E -E dot biz. Our next sponsor is... Pinnacle Advanced, Advanced Primary, Primary Care. Care. Say that three times fast. The Pinnacle Advanced Advan Primary Care. Care. Pinnacle Advanced <laughs> Primary Care. Pinnacle, Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care. Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care. Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care. Imagine a healthcare experience that's truly tailored to your needs. Mm. Let, me, let me imagine it. 
I got it. Pinkle Advanced Primary Care is revolutionizing the way we think about healthcare. They truly are. Their model is straightforward. You pay monthly subscriptions directly to your primary care physician. Mm-hmm. This means no insurance companies or third-party players involved. What do you get in return? What? A comprehensive range of primary care services. <laughs> From preventive care to managing chronic diseases and even acute care, it's all covered. Pinkle believes in a healthcare system that's more personal, more accessible, and ultimately more effective. Mm. With Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care, your health is in good hands. Discover the future of primary care. Visit Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care today and take the first step towards a healthier, more personalized healthcare experience. That's PinnacleAPC.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the COS Business Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, a sponsor of our show, Mr. Travis Bockenstedt with Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, you came on as a sponsor a few months ago, mm-hmm. and we want to learn all about you. We did a little bit of research before you came here, so okay. we're going to answer. We're going to ask some questions for sure. Perfect. But tell us just a little bit about yourself, just in general. Yeah. So um, I'll kind of start where I grew up. I'm pretty proud of it. I grew up on a farm in Northeast Iowa. Um, lived there most of my life. Um, after that, went to college, um, studied journalism, got my master's in marketing. After that. And I actually started a production company. My whole background was in uh, video production. I moved my company from Iowa to downtown Denver. And I was just chatting. I think I sold it about five years ago. Wow. So that's where my background started, um, taught journalism. And I just really love the media industry. But as you guys know, there's a lot you can do with a media background. And um, I fell into healthcare accidentally, which we'll get into, um, and was lucky to take sort of my skills there. Um, I live downtown Denver with my partner, John. We've been together for 12 years. Wow. Congratulations. uh, Yeah. Thank you. Pretty simple people. I mean, we got fish. We like to travel, beer and wine, like to chill, you know, so, (laughs) so, uh, you know. Life's pretty good. I, I really love Colorado, and uh, I'm glad to get away from the humid and cold Midwest. I feel that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So what originally? What was the original draw to Colorado? Because you said you moved, you've been in Denver yeah. area for, you said, has that been 12 years as well? Uh, eight years. Okay, so yeah, what originally brought you here? I know you had the video production company, but did that bring yeah. you here specifically for a bigger market? or? So interestingly enough, the college I went to, Wartburg College in Waverly, Iowa, like uh-huh. the center of Iowa, They started a urban campus downtown Denver like 30 years ago. Wow. So they've been sending Iowa kids to downtown Denver to kind of experience life outside of the cornfield, right? Mm -hmm. That's hilarious. (laughs) So when I was faculty at my alma mater, I got the privilege of bringing students back and forth to Denver and just really fell in love with the Denver area. Um, Well, and the entire front range, I would say. A lot of my life is spent between Denver and Colorado Springs, and I think it's just a fantastic place to live yeah it's so i know i love it here i mean most of us are transplants here in fact everybody in this room (laughs) technically is even though i've been here for 20 years okay yeah it's kind of the same but i love that you have a background in so many great things my brother started and he ended up becoming an aerospace engineer but he started um in journalism as well because he has a passion for writing and like we just had Matthew Schnipper on the on the show. I don't know if you know too much about him. He was like he's like the official food critic of Colorado Springs. Oh, cool! And Very so like cool. he was bringing that journalistic integrity like to the episode, our last episode. Yeah. And it was just really cool to hear you know what it really means to be a true professional and write about something. Right. And then Absolutely. when you combine it with marketing, obviously that's my background, and I again that's a whole nother level of integrity. So how are those two things? How do those help you in like the video production space? Did it help you like shape a story mm. for a video? Because video is really telling a story, right? It is. So I mean, I started in the news business. 
And that teaches you how to be very efficient and very quick. Mm-hmm. If you're producing a five o'clock newscast, it does not start at 501, right? right? So my first job in television was, I was 19 years old, um, finished my freshman year of college and started as a line producer in the news biz. So, you know, traffic accidents, murders, all that stuff. And was really lucky the end of that first year of my internship, the woman who produced the travel show for Northeast Iowa left the station and they said, would you like to take it over? So for five years, I produced the travel series for the TV station. Um, it was a blast meeting small business owners, kind of like, you know, the podcast that you guys do, right. but we would bring the TV crew to the business, do live shots, all that fun stuff. Nice. But what it really taught me was the power of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Any good marketing, as you guys know, is telling a story to people. We, uh, we think of, you know, some of the most famous brands. I, a lot of times we talk about Apple, mm-hmm. right? It's less about the widget they're selling and more about the story and the experience. Mm-hmm. So it just really, I think, taught me how to be a really great storyteller and the power of storytelling and persuasion. And that's what we do in marketing. But I wanted to talk about the integrity part. Yeah. You know, um, in marketing, we don't want to be selling snake oil, right? There is a responsibility that we have as marketers to, you know, be promoting brands, people, things like that, um, that do good for our community. And so we do have a big responsibility in marketing, um, to make sure we're telling good stories and we're informing the greater public about the products and services that we do. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Gary Vaynerchuk has a like a it was like a couple of years ago I was listening to him, but he was obviously he's like one of the greater marketers oh, yeah. of our time, yes. right? But he was saying like if if I have a client and they sell crap, like the only thing I can do for that client is help like sell that crap faster, but still crap at the end of the day, right? It is, and you know, being in business development, and I've been in it for a while, you really have to believe in what you're selling to people. And you want to bring value to people. I think that's the biggest thing a good business development person can do. There are people who can sell used cars and they are amazing at it, right? I could never do that. So, you know, um, when I look at my role at Pinnacle, I do not feel like I'm selling anything. I'm educating. And I think that's what some of the best business development people in town do is they educate. And the consumer eventually when you hit them over the head enough with your your brand your the content you're doing um hopefully the goal is is to be in the top three right our Mm -hmm. the brain loves things in threes so name you know three shampoos you like three restaurants whatever so my goal in marketing is to elevate pinnacle into the top three healthcare category when you think of it in the springs Mm -hmm. and and that's my goal at the end of the day i love it well it's so important again like we always say is like when you're advertising or doing anything with Mm. anybody, like everybody gets hit. And I don't remember the number anymore about how many advertisements an average person gets hit Mm -hmm. with a day, whether it's email, social media, phone call. I mean, we all get them. You have to stand out and people really have to know, like, and trust you now before they actually buy. So the exposures to the brand is so much greater than it was before. When I worked at agency Mm. seven years ago, it was seven exposures in order for somebody to convert on average. Yep. Now it's gone up to 11 and 12. I heard as high as 20. Yeah. And I believe Just it. Just because there's so much fragmentation, so much stuff, you know, mm-hmm. thrown at us. I, I remember when we had three TV stations in Northeast Iowa, a few big radio stations and newspapers, they dominated everything. And we all know that changed. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard 20 to 30 impressions now before someone starts, really I starts to get it. Yeah. yeah. And so 
Let's talk a little bit more about Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the story and how you came into, into your role there. Yeah, I'll kind of start with my why, um, why I got into Pinnacle and healthcare. So we talked about, I was a young entrepreneur, started a production company. It, everyone who's been on the show can talk about how stressful entrepreneurship was. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, during that time, my mental health and physical health were really being impacted. Um, media industry, production industry can be very stressful. Um, so I ended up having an anxiety attack that cost me $26,000. Wow. And I had insurance. And funny enough, I was paying for that insurance for my own company, right? So um, <laughs> after that was the day after my 30th birthday, actually. So my 30s kind of had a rough start. And um, I kind of looked in the mirror and I was like, what is wrong here? Um, I'm a smart guy, try to be an advocate for myself. But the healthcare system was so freaking hard to navigate. I had no one to be my advocate, no one to be my quarterback in my health. And every time I wanted to go to a doctor, I was just socked with another surprise bill and I was done, just done. So I Googled doctors who don't accept insurance because I knew the insurance company was the mechanism in between me and my wellness. Mm -hmm. And it's like so many times where asking our insurance company for permission to be healthy. What doctor can I see? When can I see him? How long, right? So when I did the Google search, came up with this model called direct primary care. And as a direct primary care practice, we are true free market healthcare. We do not deal with insurance companies. We do not take money from insurance companies. Our members pay a flat monthly membership fee for unlimited access to our clinic with no co-pays, deductibles, or office visit fees. The best way to put it, I think, for the consumer, the person watching out there and listening, um, we are part of the subscription economy. Or like your YouTube TV, your Netflix, the food box you get delivered. What's really magical in this whole model, though, is how we are reimbursed and how we are incentivized. The current healthcare system is set up in what we call fee-for-service. So that is where if you come in and talk about your elbow, there's a code for that. If you talk about a cough, there's a code for that. So in traditional healthcare, you are incentivized to bill the patient as much as you can. And it forces primary care physicians to see 20 to 30 patients a day. So I'm getting into the weeds, but when we change the financial model of an industry and incentivize quality over quantity, magic things can happen. So our docs see six to 10 patients a day for 30 to 90 minutes apiece. In two years, we went from zero patients to over 1,200 and we represent 175 small businesses and entrepreneurs here in Colorado Springs and in South Denver. Wow, what a market disruptor. Holy We're cow. trying. There's a lot of forces against healthcare disruption, though. Big healthcare imagine, has their yeah. hands in everything. Gosh. Well, have you heard of um, um, Cost Plus Drugs owned by Mark Cuban? Have you heard anything about that? I mean, it's a little yes. bit different of a space, but kind of the same industry and same vertical, right? So we actually partner with a company that came out before uh, Mark Cuban, right. um, but Mark Cuban has a lot of you know clout, so he can oh, get yeah. his product oh, yeah. out there. Mm -hmm. But we work with a company called Direx, and very similar to Cost Plus Drugs, there is no middleman. Um, the biggest middleman in pharmaceuticals are called pharmacy benefit managers, PBMs. Mm -hmm. They add absolutely no value, but they mark up costs so they can get a cut, right? So cost plus drugs, directs, they're cutting out the middleman and allowing the consumer to purchase generic medications at a cash rate. So at Pinnacle, an average 
um, 90 day supply of medication is about 10 bucks shipped to your home. And um, I was helping someone yesterday. Anytime someone calls me and and uh, wants to talk about their health care, we kind of inventory, right? I ask them, do they have any pre-existings? Are they on any brand name drugs with no generic equivalent? That sort of thing. Even with our cash pay pricing, I was able to drop someone's monthly fee for a medication from like 55 bucks down to 15. That's a huge savings for oh, people. Yeah, yeah. So what Mark Cuban has done and what Direx has done, they're saying, hey, these middlemen add no value. They add no value in a free market system. Let's get them completely out of it and see what happens. And all of a sudden you start to see the price go down. Mm. Yeah. It's a very powerful industry. So it's not like you're not going to go up against adversity when you're doing a market disruption like that, right? Especially in right. your industry, like there's some very powerful, um, wealthy oh, powers, yeah. uh, whether you see them or not, right? There's a lot of power. There's a lot of different influences in that industry that's you know, right. in control of them. It's really a, a, a big money grab in that industry, right? It's huge. Um you know, I think we waste about a trillion dollars every year in unnecessary health care. So we talked about that fee for service, right? Bill you as much as, as I can. Um, the primary care system we've become so detached from, we, d we do not value it anymore because we can never get in to see our primary care physician. So where, wh where do we result to? Where do we get our care? The ER and urgent care. The most two expensive parts in our healthcare system where people go broke and bankrupt. We hear the story of a hangnail that costs two thousand dollars, right? Like, mm. But it's a it's not a far joke from what really happens to people. You know, in my case, I paid twenty six grand because I wasn't admitted, and there was that clause in my insurance that said if I'm not admitted, then we're not going to cover this. Jeez. So yeah, we get offers monthly to buy us out because big companies want to take a primary care physician and just create a feeder system. Mm -hmm. We want you to refer to this, refer to that. Half of specialty referrals are unnecessary, completely unnecessary. So there are so many market forces because we've created such a bloated system that if we do reform it, people will lose jobs. Unfortunately, there's right. a lot of people working in healthcare that add zero value. I feel bad that some of these people will lose their jobs, but this is what happens when we disrupt certain systems. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens when systems are completely bloated. There has to be some change in that area. Yeah, because yeah, you also feel bad for all the people who can't afford the health credit or the health health care they need because there's people who have jobs they don't that don't contribute. <laughs> well, I um, had a, a woman call um, maybe last year, I think it was. Her and her husband run a landscaping company. And um, she called and said, hey, our family health care expenses are like through the roof. We're paying $1,800 a month, $10,000 deductible on a teacher's salary. And she goes, I want to leave teaching and help my husband with our landscaping company. But health care costs are preventing us from doing so. That is ridiculous. Our healthcare industry is hijacking our entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. because we start thinking about, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Gosh, I've got to stay in that dead end job because, you know, my health care. We were able to do Pinnacle plus a health share. A health share is a non-Obamacare alternative and can often be a lot more affordable. The reason it's affordable is on Obamacare, the great thing about that is people with pre-existing conditions could get coverage. Right. It also means there's a lot of sick people on Obamacare that healthy people are paying for. So what's the alternative of a health share? So we did health share plus Pinnacle, dropped it from 
1800 a month to 650 Wow. That's huge. So she leave the, leave the teaching job, join the landscaping business, all because we've redone how they purchase healthcare. It's such a it's such a disruptor. I mean, even like you said, the the cultural narrative regarding like healthcare. Like, I'm one of those people who's very anti doctor for those same reasons. Yeah, very anti doc. And I had a lot of injuries. I was uh, weightlifter early in yeah. my earlier twenties, mm -hmm. and like I would have to go in for MRIs. I'm like, I can't do it. There's no way yeah. I can. I mean, I'm just. I, I think there's a lot of people like me out there though. They're kind yeah. of anti-doctor because they're like, I don't want to get another bill or find something that's they diagnose and get another pill right. or something. I don't know necessarily is actually going to help me, but necessarily it'll, mm -hmm. it'll, it'll pin me down financially. Right. So for those folks out there, you know, this is this is great news. And what would you tell them um, about Pinnacle? That's I mean, obviously it's changed so many things, right? The yeah. costs and. I mean, the, the the subscription model that so many people know mm -hmm. and love, and they're like, oh, we can absolutely do that. But even for people like me, I want to have that type of service for people who work in my 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 uh, marketing company right? and have absolutely. the healthcare provided for them. Yeah. So for entrepreneurs out there, I would say your health is your wealth and your time is money. And they both very much go together. So if you're not healthy and you're an entrepreneur and you may be one or two principals in your company, maybe an employer or two, if you cannot work, your company could close mm -hmm. if you're not taking care of your health and uh, wellness. The other thing, too, as an entrepreneur, I want people to think about is how much runaround would you have to do to get your care? I talked to a handyman, and um, we were talking about Pinnacle and things like that. And he had been misdiagnosed, supposed to have mono, but they were telling this you know, 20-some-year-old to get a colonoscopy. Are you serious? Right. Holy Insane. <laughs> because of a five-minute doctor visit, and they didn't have time. So they're like, let's run this test. Let's do this. I said, how much running around did you do in town? Like, how long? And he goes, about four to six weeks he spent. I said, how much money did you lose during that time? He goes, I actually calculated it. Eight grand in lost productivity. Running around, mm -hmm. trying to get health care. So with Pinnacle, we've removed all that. And that's why at the beginning of this, we talked about the difference between health insurance and health care. So as a healthcare company, when small businesses partner with us, their employees are getting 90% of their everyday health and wellness needs covered. So we're talking your sniffles, your ear infections, your, uh, you know, women's health, men's health, all that stuff. 90%, 68 bucks a month to join Pinnacle. 175 for an entire family in your business to join Pinnacle. So what happens now? Well, in traditional healthcare, we're seeing telemed start to go away. Why? Because a hospital can charge you more money if they charge you a facility fee to come in. Mm -hmm. So that is a gross incentive to bill someone. At Pinnacle, mm -hmm. we only make money off a of membership. So we do not get any incentive mm -hmm. to make you do something, send you to a specialist. So now that means if there's an employee and maybe they're running a delivery route in town, maybe they're a landscaper, instead of having to take a whole day off work, they can call, text, or email our doctors and get a diagnosis right there. So it's, it's really just changing how we experience healthcare. And I would encourage businesses to invest in primary care. We're not the only direct primary care clinic in town. Um, we're all very different. But you are top three though, right? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope we're in that top three. But I would just encourage businesses to ask themselves, am I providing health care to my employees? 
And I would venture to say most people in town are not. Mm -hmm. You're providing health insurance. But I don't know the last time Blue Cross Blue Shield did your annual exam, right? So it's just a financial tool to pay that's really broken. That's so crazy. And how much learning did it take for you when you broke into this industry? Because there's a whole lot wow. there and a whole lot of history probably there too, right? Yeah. Even five years into this industry, I'm still learning. The U.S. healthcare system is very, very complicated. Um, I mean, I'm stating the obvious. But um, let's just talk about medical billing and coding. There are 69,000 codes um, that can be used to document an encounter. Um, there are, you know, three big ways you can structure a health plan. There are laws in place based on how many employees you have and what type of plan you have to offer. Um, I mean, what's probably the most frustrating and, you know, I might get called out for this, but I don't really care. There's a lot of healthcare brokers in town that offer zero value, zero value to their client. They are um, getting huge kickbacks from health insurance carriers. They're lying to companies and saying, hey, your health carrier is going to give you a 12% increase this year, but I got you six. But what the company doesn't realize is your broker just got a $50,000 kickback from Blue Cross Blue Shield to keep you in your crappy plan. So they are the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. We will literally not get meetings with clients because the broker will not let us present. Mm -hmm. So there are just so many market forces. And, you know, I, I, I wish I didn't have to do anything with health insurance. I could just stay in my direct primary care space and not think about it. But we do need to help our clients find major medical coverage. We cannot do surgery on you if your leg breaks. Um, if you had a heart attack, you're not going to your family doctor, <laughs> right? Yeah. You got to call 911. So that's where we partner with like-minded brokers in town that are healthcare disruptors. Brandy and Leo have been on your show. I think Brandy oh, yeah. has, mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. yeah, both of them. They're both one of, of the guests where both of them were on. Awesome, with their blue hair and everything. They, they didn't have blue hair at that time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I've worked with them for at least five years oh, since nice. I started in the business. I worked at another company in town before, before Pinnacle. But um, they get it. They offer health shares. They offer... Uh, major medical. They offer direct primary care to their clients. And there are a few brokers in town like Brandy and Leo that are doing the right thing. But if you have a broker, I would ask them to disclose their commission to you. And I would ask them to disclose where they're getting their kickbacks from. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And it, it's, uh, but, and I'll kick it back to Andrew too, but like it's, it, it, you're hitting on all the right points. And like one of the things that I, I think about is, well, I have never, I haven't been the doctor in like seven, eight years. Okay. Right. But I was a caregiver for my grandfather who was there 15 wow. times a month. And Man. so he's my, he was my best friend. He, he's passed now, but he was my best friend in the world. And you're hitting on a lot of stories. That I'm like, oh my gosh, because here we are sitting in a waiting room for 30 minutes to have a $5 or a five minute yeah. doctor visit about whatever. Here, here's your results. Here's what I, whatever. And then boom, we're out. It's like, or cattle or something yeah. like that, right? No, it's exactly what it's like. Yeah. yeah. It's, Running you through like a widget on an assembly line. It's unbelievable. And so that I wanted to ask you, because I know we we have similar lifestyle choices. When, when's the last time you went to the doctor? And, and are these the similar cultural narratives that you're experiencing? And thank goodness for companies like Pinnacle that are out there because it's disrupting what we have had so much mm -hmm. animosity about right. in that industry. Yeah. I mean, I, 
didn't go to the doctor. I went to the ER two years ago. <laughs> Ended up paying That's like right. twenty five hundred dollars for nothing essentially. Did like, you have a doctor you could call to help you navigate? I didn't. I, I yeah, because I yeah. didn't have health insurance. Um, but I was like, just wanted to make sure everything was okay and safe because uh, just one just just wanted to. But yeah. yeah, and didn't really get anything from from the visit. And yeah, it was it was expensive. And I actually learned that. I accidentally forgot that my auto pay was I, my card had switched. Yeah, and then so the the payment for that went to collections actually. Oh and, yeah, and I I learned actually if if you let something go on collections on accident for six months they'll like cut the price in half. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I let I when I got into all my medical debt stuff I did let it all go to collections. There's yeah. a book called <laughs> There's a book called Never Pay the First Bill. Okay, and it is completely true. Um, someone gave me an example of how are claims approved and denied in insurance. I said, I don't know. I want to know. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, take a ream of paper, 500 sheets, and just throw it in the air. And whoever's paper lands first, your claim is approved. There's no rhyme or reason really to any of it. Um, it would be like you guys going out, doing a production deal with someone and saying, you know, we'll send you the bill after. And the consumer's like, well, well, what do you mean? Like, tell me the hourly rate. Tell me whatever it is. And you're like, but it really depends. It depends on your insurance carrier, your copay, deductible. Are you in network, out of network? Mm -hmm. And it's just maddening. Yeah. Which is one of my reasons why I got into direct primary care, because I just wanted price transparency. Is one of the only industries in the world where you'll have a service provided to you where you have no idea how much it costs and you get your surprise medical bill at the end of the day. I'm sure your clients would be, you guys are crazy. I would never yeah. do a transaction <laughs> like that, right? You wouldn't be in business. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't be in business, right? But there is no free market to our healthcare system. So how do we change it if we don't know the true cost of care, right? Mm -hmm. So in the case of, you know, your grandfather, right? You the caretaker i'm sure i'm assuming maybe not that he had to wait mm -hmm. for care that if he wasn't feeling well you couldn't call his actual family physician have a one-on-one -on -one and say can i get him in that day and the reason being is because doctors simply do not have the time mm -hmm. we're going to have a shortage of, of about 20 to fifty thousand primary care physicians in the next decade because they're burnt out with pinnacle when we restore that doctor-patient relationship, instead of going to the ER right away, we tell our patients, if it's not your life, your limbs, or your eyesight, call Pinnacle first. If it's one of those three, please call 911 and go. Mm -hmm. But we could have helped you navigate it. We For could sure. have asked what your symptoms are, what happened, mm -hmm. and the doctor could Googling doesn't help it. Dr. Google is the worst place to go because everything is worse, right? Yeah. You get a mole and you're like, oh my God, it's stage four That's cancer. probably why I went to the ER, <laughs> yeah, actually. Exactly. <laughs> But it's that we call it health confidence. 70% of Americans do not ha have health confidence. If you're diagnosed with something, you have no idea what it is. You have no idea where to go. So if we can improve people's health confidence, they use the ER less, the urgent care less, less hospitalizations and surgeries, all because we've restored that doctor-patient relationship and gotten back to the essence of our healthcare system, which is primary care and family medicine. We just think of it as this thing. We get our insurance card and it's like select a PCP, right? And that's our relationship. But it's got to be deeper than that. What do you think about like the the future with AI and this stuff? Because a mm. doctor could like train a model on his knowledge base. True. And that could 
make him be more robust in his. I mean, you got to do that. That's a fine line to walk because you want to make sure it's safe. But yeah. <laughs> So we've used AI at, at Pinnacle on some very basic, basic needs, um, uh, use cases. One is is uh, we've taken doctor's notes, um, redacted the name, all the PHI, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not putting your personal health information into ChatGBT. Right. Um, but we can take standard notes that redact everything, who you are, pop them into ChatGBT, and it'll create a standard chart note. And that might save our physician five minutes. Well, man, if you know if you have, you know, five patient encounters a day, you're getting 25 minutes to an hour back of your life. Yeah. So there are really cool places for AI in healthcare. Now, one thing is when AI was originally starting to be developed in healthcare, there are a lot of white men and Asians who write the original code and stuff for AI. So some of that original stuff, when we look at healthcare, we're actually leaving things out biased exactly mm -hmm. and i never thought of bias coding as something that could happen mm -hmm. i'm not saying these guys are doing something intentional right yeah, yeah. right it's just that we have to realize if you have a bunch of people um doing something maybe lacking certain diversity in it there can be oopses that happen so that's one thing in ai that we're finding especially black people were not getting diagnosed and ai was not catching certain things so that mm -hmm. was a problem um, we've seen Amazon come into the healthcare space. They bought up our biggest competitor in town. So they're now owned by Amazon. And um, Amazon just released their $9 subscription to One Medical this week. This week? This week. Wow. Right. One, it's super frustrating because they, they are devaluing what primary care actually costs. I don't think it could, should cost $300 a month. But $9.99 is misleading the consumer. You're getting virtual care. Okay, great. So we're solving one of the problems, which is an access problem. Right. The issue is, and I'm just going to give everybody a, an example of me and my 36-year-old life. So my hair's thinning, right? It's just happening. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that little pill you take, and we'll mm -hmm. see what happens. And But long story short, I did a telehealth visit with um, HIMSS to, to do that. Well, I do take some mental health medication. And because of that, denied it would not do virtual care with me anymore. And they referred me to a primary care physician that I would have to meet with in person. So this is a problem. So you're doing a telehealth visit. The telehealth doc cannot serve you. So now you're shoved back into the system. Mm -hmm. What Pinnacle does is your telehealth is with your physician at Pinnacle. We are providing continuity of care, which is really, really important. So over telehealth, my pinnacle physician can do way more. Their scope of care increases because they know me. With a lot of virtual care, you're just getting set up with some random doctor who gets your call that time. So we've got to be careful with technology. We cannot lose the human touch in healthcare. Mm -hmm. That is really, really important. Why do we get fatigued during Zoom meetings? Why do we miss certain body language? Because we're missing so much in that conversation. So, you know, I think what when I look at Pinnacle, we're really a hybrid model. We do virtual care really, really well. We're using technology in places that should be used. But we are not forgetting that the human element that our members need to be able to see a physician one on one, that if a physician needs to put hands on you to diagnose that that can happen. So I know it's a very, very long answer to the AI thing, mm -hmm. but I don't want and I do not think 
AI has a place in taking over all of our healthcare. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. a whole lot of sense. It's like you said, you can't take the human element out of healthcare. Right. It's a human, at the very base, it's exactly. our health. We're humans, right? Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you guys have done so much work in this industry and disrupting it, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Oh, so yeah. if you were to have another, the perfect five years from now, we're coming mm-hmm. into end of 2028, mm-hmm. what would that look like for you guys if you were able to hit the milestones you needed to in those right. five years. You're 41 now. <sighs> oh, well, okay. oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Mm. 41. Uh, so here's what I would like to see over the next five years. I want consumers to start taking responsibility for their health and wellness. I want them to stop just saying my health insurance is good enough. Um, I want it where in the future that businesses do not need to shoulder the cost of healthcare for their employees because we've created a market where it's affordable for you to go out and purchase your own care. Um, you know, the, the burden of paying for, um, for healthcare was way back, and I, I'm telling this history story very fragmented, so just hold on and do some Googling after I tell the story. <laughs> but basically, when we were in the... Um, the Great Depression, FDR days, all that, there were actually restrictions put on how much you could pay people. There was a cap. The government put a cap on it. So in order to become competitive, what would a business do if you're capped on paying someone a salary? You're going to add benefits. So healthcare was added as a way for these companies to attract people, right? So now this this thing, this little mechanism that was used to incentivize people to work at a business because you were capped on how much you could pay them has become this monster, this monstrosity where healthcare is often the second largest line item for a lot of businesses. So change needs to happen. Businesses are the sleeping giant of healthcare reform. Mm-hmm. Businesses need to start pushing back against the people selling them healthcare and going, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. But it's going to take some will of the consumer. It's going to take the will of the consumer to go, hey, you know, right now, I'm afraid that healthcare reform has become so complicated that we as citizens are going to let go of our personal liberty and we are going to give it up to the government. I do not want the government in my healthcare. They um, run things very poorly. Amen. <laughs> and, um, and I'm just afraid, though, that, that we will just give it up to them and it will be worse. So, again, um, very long answer to you. Where do I think would like to see things in five years? But I hope, um, you know, Colorado has 10% of the nation's direct primary care practices. We um, are disrupting healthcare in the state. So I hope to see more adoption. I hope to stop having to have very long conversations with people to teach them about the direct primary care model. So those are my hopes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, and I think a lot of it has to be surrounded around education for business owners because yeah, you're right. The business owners, they can themselves will it. Um, but just like anything else, else that's a market disruptor, they got to know it first, right? Yes. They got to have the education of like, oh, wow, like this is not the only way now. Right. You know, one of the most probably corrupt things in our nation's system oh, is absolutely. healthcare, right? It is. And there's another way, like, 
I know a ton of them that would spill over and be like, hell yeah. Like yeah. I would totally do that. So I guess the education and putting the the word out there that there is alternative options for healthcare. Right. Uh, and people are afraid to try something different, which is also interesting, right? Um, hey, I'm really mad at the system. I'm paying too much. I'm not getting anything in return, but uh, I'll just let it stay status quo because, you know, it's just too scary to change. Health shares get a really bad rap. Um, unfortunately, some of the Christian health ministries have flopped and haven't treated their members right and have gotten really bad press. Um, and the Division of Insurance here in Colorado is trying to regulate. One, they try to re regulate direct primary care under the Division of Insurance, but we are not. Mm -hmm. and we got that passed. But um, um, with that, with the health share market, um, I have talked with people and they're like, Oof, it's a health share. You know, it's not guaranteeing I'm going to have something covered. Well, the average denial rate for an insurance claim is 30 to 40 percent. So you have a 30 to 40 percent chance that your claim will not be approved. Wow. The health share we work with, I straight up asked them, I said, what is your denial rate? And they said about 10 percent of needs. So and a lot of those needs are not covered because the member lied before they got into the health share. They had a pre-existing condition. They did not disclose it. Um, or maybe, you know, you read through the member guidelines and it said, hey, if you have type one diabetes, we're not going to cover it in the health share. So anywho, long story short, there are options out there. We just have to be willing to adopt them and feel comfortable doing it. Um, but if we don't, we will just be stuck with what we have. Yeah. Makes a whole lot of sense. Well, I have a side question because you did mention type one diabetes and one of our best friends, mm. she is I think 27 years old. She yeah. has type one diabetes. She has severe asthma Yeah, and she's in a job because she's able to pay for that. I don't know necessarily that it's probably through Medicaid or something that she's still on. Mm -hmm. And so she's in that job that it's a job that she, she can elevate to a, a bigger job now, but sure. she does it specifically because of her health needs and yes. the cost of her healthcare for insulin. Yeah. And so what piece of advice would you give to someone like her? For anyone who has a chronic illness, um, you know, go back to me and my mental health and wellness and physical health, right? Um, you need, it is in your best interest to have a strong relationship with a primary care physician. I would obviously argue that direct primary care is the best way to go for this friend. Why? Because we become the quarterback. Our average time we spend per patient is 40 minutes at Pinnacle. We don't do five minute visits. That's awesome. So if you've got complicated health, you're managing type one, you have asthma, these are serious things. Mm -hmm. You want a healthcare team that knows you, you can call on when you need them. And when things arise that can help you navigate, right? So that's what I would say to anybody right now that's struggling anything health-wise, is that you need a really great primary care physician in your corner. Um, so that's what I would recommend. I would go out and Google direct primary care Colorado Springs, find a clinic that fits you the best. You know, I wish everyone would come to Pinnacle, but that's ridiculous. And I have an abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, so find a direct primary care practice that works for you. You know, some are very alternative, holistic. Some like us are your traditional cradle to grave family medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I would encourage um, her to do. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I got some side questions for you. Yeah. I, 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 we're doing a little bit of research on you and we found out, you, I think you like to hike and you like to get out outside in Colorado. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. Have So what type of hiking? Are we talking 14ers? Oh. Or are we talking just like 
ginger, <laughs> like like a nice like, you know, hike and garden the gods. Or what like what yeah. do we talk about as far as hiking is concerned? So um, we we love to camp, and one of our favorite places is Guanella Pass up by Georgetown, and they have this trail up to Silver Dollar Lake, and it's three lakes that drain into each other. And um, it's it's kind of a um, moderate um, hike. Um, so we really enjoy doing that. I am not the guy that enjoys climbing 14ers all the time. <laughs> it's pretty when you get up there, but man, you know, it's mm -hmm. not something I would sign up to do every weekend. But, you know, I live a pretty simple life. I like Coors Banquet, red wine, what? like to chill. Coors Banquet and red wine? I don't think I've ever heard those two. Yeah. <laughs> Coors Banquet and red wine, nothing special. And... Um, we love to travel. I think what I love the most about Colorado is, you know, you can just cross over the range and experience something completely yeah. different in the state where the front range, you know, we have that kind of high aired climate. Um, mm -hmm. But we really love it. I think I wish as an entrepreneur, I got out to nature more. Mm -hmm. um, I work in healthcare, but sometimes those of us who work in healthcare are like the worst at taking care of ourselves. But um, we made it a point, May, June, July, August, September, and October, we went camping every uh, six times. So every month we oh, went that's on a camping awesome. trip. The most we've ever done. So it was great. Have you made it down to the southwest part of Colorado, like Telluride and stuff like that? I have like that? not. But we I hear it down there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we made yeah. it down there back in August. And I'd been for the first time, my, and I've been here 20 years, in April. And then we went back in August time, and it was just yeah. unbelievable. Again, you feel like you're another, you don't even feel like you're in Colorado because right. they call it the Swiss Alps yeah. in North America. We went to Uray, Telluride. Nice. And we did a hike over there and I kind of felt bad for my buddies here because I didn't really give them probably the full context of like the hike or anything oh, like man, that. Yeah. And, and then I kept saying, oh, by the way, on the way back, let's hit another hike. And they're like, <laughs> what the heck, Marcus, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it, it was it was fun. But like, like you said, you don't have to do a 14er to do like the right. have the beauty of Colorado right in front of your face, right? Yeah, I mean, we um, a lot of our sin taxes go towards our outdoors here in Colorado, which is really great. And um, going up to Blackhawk, and I cannot remember that highway, but Blackhawk, the casino yeah. town, mm -hmm. um, they're putting a new paved trail that you can bring wheelchairs on and what? elderly can That's walk awesome. on and you can bike on and it's miles and miles. So uh, my grandmother's coming to town. She's in her late 70s and we get to finally bring her on a hike because it's paved and she won't trip and stuff like that. So, you know, I think, you know, Colorado's done a really good job of trying to make the outdoors accessible and equitable for everyone. Yeah. Well, you do have a heart for Colorado Springs and you work down here and everything too. But yeah. before we talked, um, you, you also have a heart for downtown Denver and what's going on there locally. And yeah. Um, so when people find out I live downtown Denver, they're like, what? Cause I see me, all over Colorado Springs right. all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have, a, you know, in my heart, a sweet spot for downtown Denver. Um, you know, I think it went through its renaissance about 10 years ago, mm -hmm. kind of right, right around when we moved here. Um, downtown has gone through some huge struggles after COVID, um, drug abuse, homelessness, crime, mm -hmm. things like that. But I think cities, even Colorado Springs, even in any big towns, feel the market forces a little bit harder than maybe, you know, smaller towns might feel. But what gets me up in the morning, what gets me to drive 20,000 miles a year back and <laughs> forth from Denver to Colorado Springs is I love this business community. 
And I think the Colorado Springs and Southern Colorado business community is really unique. Mm -hmm. I still think it's a um, gentleman's handshake, person's handshake town, whatever you want to call it. But I I still think it's a gentleman's handshake town where you can um, do deals and do business with people that way. I think um, Denver... Um, and I do business there and I love people there, but I do think it ends up being a bit more of a transactional community. We hear, we hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you had brought up um, people like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Right. And that very much, you know, happens here in the Springs. It also reminds me about my Midwest upbringing. Yeah. Right. You know, um, people with just strong values. When I mean strong values, you know, what that means personally to them. Um, but yeah. The reason I can't drag myself away from downtown Denver is we do live on a high rise right on the platform at Union Station. Oh, that's pretty cool. And we can take the A line from our front door to DIA and we are weekend warrior um, travelers. So I don't like spending money on hotels. So we will get up at the crack of dawn (laughs) on a Saturday, fly to Seattle, get there, you know, around 10, go, 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 go. And then late Sunday night, fly back. What? So we've gone to, awesome. I'll fly. Um, I'm trying to visit all the presidential libraries. They're okay. fan- fascinating. Uh, yeah. So I took a day trip to um, Dallas the other day. Took a day trip to Atlanta. And I just fly there early, spend four to six hours in the museum and get a steak dinner and fly back to Denver. There's one in my hometown, <laughs> actually, uh, Independence, Missouri, uh, which is where Truman's from. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> have you been to it? I have actually, yeah. <laughs> They're really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've done um, wow. Clinton, Carter, um, George W. Bush. Uh-huh. Um, I want to go to Reagan's. He has uh, Air Force One in his museum, which is pretty cool. So growing up on a farm in a small town, um, to put my, I said I was 36, but kind of where I graduated 2005, right, um, from high school, there just wasn't a ton of... Um, well, everybody was like, I'm taking the trip of a lifetime. And they would, you know, it'd be eight years. They would save up to go on one trip and that's all they would do. And I was really, really lucky. I begged my parents to be a foreign exchange student. So I got to go to Australia. That's my, awesome. My junior year. And that completely just opened my entire world. I bet, yeah. So I told myself after that point that I was, no, I was not going to do these once in a lifetime trips. That if I paid my own destiny grew my own wealth. I could travel any freaking time I wanted to um, because he couldn't do that on a farm. And sitting there in the middle of these cornfields while they were beautiful, I felt so isolated when I was younger. So now having that privilege to live near an international airport with nonstop flights for nearly nothing to wherever I want to go, I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this privilege. And we have, which is great. So, you know, if there could be like a hyperloop from you know, yeah. Colorado Springs to DIA, that would be great. But yeah. Yeah. 10 minute hyperloop or something or five minute hyperloop, yeah, exactly. I guess. <laughs> there will yeah. be. I, I think it's coming. That would be awesome. There was supposed to be one that was that they were working on. Your buddy Steve Morocco was actually. Yeah. It was like Cheyenne, Wyoming to oh, Albuquerque wow. or something like that. And then there, I know they were, they were thinking about doing one from St. Louis to Kansas City, which would be perfect because they already have. Oh, I, yeah. I-70 already has built the infrastructure for yes. like already paving out the way. So they just yeah. have to build next to it. and. That'd be amazing. But they, they, so far we have we only have one small mile long hyperloop <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> so we need we need some more of those. Those would be great. I mean, China's way ahead of us on that too. Like you can take like three hundred miles per hour trains or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, fast. voters <laughs> and taxpayers for some reason in Colorado are so anti rail. 
And especially, you know, I-25 from downtown Denver to downtown Springs, you know how much commerce and travel would happen if people did not have to drive I-25? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a super commuter on I-25, man, um, when I work in Denver, I do everything I can to take the train because I can just sit there, use my hotspot, do work. That's awesome. Yeah. That's why I want a a self-driving car because I actually believe that when we all convert to self-driving cars, which I believe it's inevitable, it's going to just rapidly enhance our productivity because we're going to be able to do things instead of sitting and looking at the road the whole time. Oh my gosh. Like just imagine all that time back to times uh, 300 million people. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> if I could do email while driving. Yeah. I do yeah. <laughs> um, but um, man, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's cool that you say you like to travel. And again, from your roots from being mm-hmm. a boy from Iowa, yeah. farms, corn fields, yep what is there's something to be said about like when you're out there and it's like the only elements of you're kind of out of your element right when you travel yeah. and like i recently went to italy back in may and it was just awesome but everything like every turn of it was like i was out of my element like yeah. i had a career i had a problem solve but there's a certain level of excitement with that like oh discovering new things what what is that and i feel like it's i think it's it's just something on an entrepreneur as well you know i was thinking about that the kind of something like that the other day and you know when i was younger you know, I grew up without inter- internet in our family uh, farm home wow. until I was in um, ninth grade, right? So our experience of the world was my aunt's encyclopedia that we would go to her house because our family bought one because it was so expensive and you'd flip through or in your geography class or things like that. So, you know, to live in Australia in 11th grade, I went from a class of 38 kids to over 500 in my class. I'm talking 38 kids in like my whole class. And what it did is it gave me the confidence to get out of the cornfield that this is doable. And I think that excitement of travel, it re-engineers our brain for a point of time, right? We're, We're humans of habit. I think if I put a tracker on, I would follow the same path like most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. But when you get out traveling, it's the language, it's the signage, it's the menus, it's the it's the smell in the air, it's the cars, it's the traffic signs, like everything is different. And I just think it's so good for the for the human brain to do that type of stuff. It's healthy, you know. Again, it's why people are like, take a different route to work, you know, and I'm like, no, because I'm so set in my ways. <laughs> but, you know, it just kind of goes back to that um you know, it was a college professor who actually told me the once in a lifetime deal. And um, I do want to go back to Europe and I do want to see countries over and over again because you can only do so much in one visit. And that's why we do these weekend trips. We tell ourselves we do not need to pack a whole vacation into a weekend. We're going to hit up a nice restaurant. We might do a touristy thing. Um, we take public transport everywhere we go. I've taken Chicago, Atlanta, Seattle, taken the good lines, the bad lines. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that's the magic with travel. Just re-engineers your brain for a little bit. One thing one that I loved uh, the transportation on, you might have a different perspective on it, was the D.C. When I went to D.C. I don't know if you've been to D.C., but like it, the, the trans- whole underground like layers yeah. of subways. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And I didn't realize how big. I mean, I probably should have done more research, but I didn't realize how big you know, DC is with yeah. all the mall, like the, the national mall was massive. It's and by everything else you have to see Arlington, my best friend's barely buried at Arlington okay. cemetery, which is awesome. Yeah. Right. But it's just, it's really cool. And like, if you're not, 
if you're not in an area where it has the public transportation like that, you're blown away. You Completely. Know? I mean, you could take a you could take a Amtrak from DC to New York, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, when I own my production company, we travel quite a bit, and um, we would fly into Philly, do a shoot, jump on the the Amtrak, and end up in you know come up the stairs and end up in the middle of Manhattan, and it was it was super super cool. So. Yeah, I wish we'd had some better public transport infrastructure. I think Colorado Springs, it's growing. And I think uh, people are they're going to be like, damn, I wish we would have invested more in public transport because the town just keeps getting wider and wider and mm-hmm. wider. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bus system is pretty antiquated. So, yep. and, you know, you talk about if you want to get deeper into it, you you talk about um, just people having the right to, to have mobility. Um, but, yeah, I we do take our public transport for granted. And I do think we take um, our ability to fly across the world in a few hours for granted, you know? Mm-hmm. So travel is certainly a privilege. That's awesome. And it sounds like you have a lot of balance in your life now. Cause I mean, I know we're all entrepreneurs here. Yeah. The work life, we call it work life balancing instead of work life balance. Right. Cause it's, right. it's, it's an act that takes constant you know, tweaking and sometimes yeah. balance completely off, especially when you're doing something you're really driven to accomplish in a short period of time. You might have to put aside yeah. the travel and stuff like that. How is that for your life now? Do you feel like it's, it's? are you in a season, I guess, where it is pretty well balanced or are you in a season yeah. where it's kind of all over the place? We all have those, but I just want to ask yeah. how it is now. That's a good question. I would argue that there is no work-life balance, but there's a work-life blend. And I think we get frustrated with ourselves when we try to find the balance. Um, And as an entrepreneur, I think it's difficult to do. It's difficult to be in the shower and you start generating ideas for your business and just turn it off, right? Or you're laying in your bed and most of my ideas happen between like the first 10 minutes of my head hitting the pillow and I start emailing (laughs) myself ideas. I really think it is about finding that blend, right? And being honest with your loved ones, your friends, the people around you, where you're at in your business, where you're at in your headspace, because it's just unrealistic, in my opinion, to be able to switch it on and off easily. So I think trying to find a better blend. I, over the years, had a huge problem with it. Um, I would just dive head first. There was no blend. It was just one thing and it was business. The difference thing with working at Pinnacle, though, it's all about the ownership of the company. And Dr. Lynch and Dr. Diger started with the fundamentals before we grew big. And that was culture. That was core values. Um, And because we lead by those, the stress of the business is different. The stress of the business is not what should we be doing? What are we doing? Who's doing this? Who's talking about who? Who's fighting with who? Like that, I would say entrepreneurship for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's their life. Putting out fires all freaking day long, working in their business instead of working on their business. But being in a good workplace, I think, has allowed me to be an ambassador for Pinnacle, to blend it into what I do best. And um, that has helped helped a lot. But I would just say if you're struggling out there to find a balance, maybe you need to think of it more as a blend. Yeah. 
I love that. And so it's so true, especially yeah. being years into the entrepreneurial journey like myself and Andrew. Yeah. We, we we completely understand that. Well, this has been such a great interview, man. This is this is so insightful. I love that we're able to like not only talk about business, but we talk yeah. about you as a person and what you like to do for fun. And like there's already like a lot of questions I want to talk about with you off camera about hikes and stuff yeah. of that sort. But to close this up, where can we find you? Um anywhere you want to share, go ahead. Yeah. That's your camera. Share whatever you want with the camera to how people can find you and get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. I would say this is your time and space to disrupt healthcare. And I think we all have a responsibility to do that um, for the sake of our economy, our businesses, our entrepreneurs, and their families. And if you want to take the leap and you want to support an independently owned and operated primary care practice that does not belong to big healthcare, Support a practice like Pinnacle, a direct primary care practice in town. You can learn more about us at PinnacleAPC.com or call 719-888-4858. You can call or text me on that number, and I'd be uh, happy to help you out. Thanks, Love guys. It. Love it. Well, this has been a great episode, and we'll see you guys on the next one. All right. Perfect. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>